I told myself, you know, all the time, all when, I, when I was raising children, you know, I was raised uh, in a kind of a racist, uh, Springfield, Louisiana. I'm not going to say it's racist, but it's not that great. Because <laughs> I, was, I was raised through integration, you know, so it was white people, black people, went to school in different places. And when they had integration, you know, it was a, it was a violent deal. You know, I mean, violent, really violent. Lots of, you know, police and people, you know, picketing and, you know, had to cross picket lines. And we had crosses burned in front of our houses by the KKK. So that was a time in history that was terrible. And, of course, you know, I got, when I became a Christian, I, um, well, even before I became a Christian, I went to high school at an all-black high school. It wasn't all-black because I was there, of course. <laughs> completely but uh, I did kind of know what it was like to be a minority and um, and how it felt like to be a minority and uh, and and to really experience a culture and I, I remember uh, being there in high school it was 10th grade and uh, and the whole experience was you know I'm learning about people and that you know that people are all the same in a way even though we have a lot of differences we ha- they're all the same and I can remember being in that environment it got sometimes it got rough but uh I found out that it was just, you know, there's wonderful gifts in all peoples. Of course, everybody's the same, but, you know, I think white people have a certain gift. You know, they can't dance, generally speaking. <laughs> Some people can. I think I can. But, <laughs> but uh, you know, but in the black community, there was, so, there was so many gifts. I played in the band, you know, and I came from uh, Springfield, which was an all-white band, which was like, dun 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 you know. And I, that was, when I went to Clinton High School, which was all black, and I played in the band, and, and uh, we were doing like the robot. You know, our guy in front was, y'all don't even know what the ro- robot is. You don't even know what that is. Our guy was doing the robot, and, uh, and then the whole band was required to dance. Da-da-da-da. So I was, I, I, I got it, I, I realized that, uh, you know, God made everybody to live together. Now, when I became a pastor and a Christian had children, I thought, you know, I don't really care if my children, who they marry, because we're all one new race. Uh, I, you know, I don't care if they marry black people or white people or brown people. We're all one new race in Christ. There's neither Jew nor Greek nor Gentile. We're all new race in Christ, so I don't really care. But I, I'm just going to, you know, believe God that as long as my girls marry godly men, that's all that counts. And I, I got away with that. Come on, somebody. <laughs> And I got away with it for a good long time until, you know, Hannah said, like, I love this guy at church, and uh, he's a black guy. And I was like, I don't feel God on that. You know, all of us could talk about not being racist until something happens, and then we're like, wait. So I, you know, I put, put poor Donovan, wait, wait, baby, Donovan. I put Donovan to the ringer, you know. And, of course, I had, you know, you have all the reasons because you're thinking, like, you know, I said, Hannah, she had the youth group. I said, Hannah, you know. All the black girls are going to hate you <laughs> for marrying the black guy. I was just letting you know. So I really told them that you got to wait six months. I put them through the, 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 the ringer, you know. I, I was like hoping that I wouldn't have to actually go through the kind of biracial thing because it's a, it's a thing, you know, it's in, in the world. Maybe not with the next generation, but my generation, it was a big thing. You know, if you saw a black man with a white woman, oh, man, it was a big deal. Or vice versa. It was a big deal. It's just the way you're raised, you know. I've never had black friends spend a night in my house. I had close black friends, but they were not at my house. You know, it was just different. The world was a different place. And uh, so, uh, you know, I just, I'm just, why am I saying that? I'm not really sure. <laughs> I got stuck in it. I can't get out now. I'm in now. <laughs> but, you know, I'm, I'm going to be talking about family, so this is a good way to start because... Family is not the people that have your last name. Family are the people that are included in your circle of love, right? And I was trying to, you know, I was really trying to not, you know, be in the, the you know, the biracial world. But, but I, because I just loved everybody, but I thought, you know, it's just easier if we just don't go there. So I was trying to steer them away. But, you know, Donovan was such a great young man. He's just such a great guy. And uh, my, my kids uh, who come from a different generation that wasn't raised like I was raised, my kids, my son, Bray, they came to me and said, Dad, seriously, Donovan's awesome. What's your problem? I was like, it's not really a problem, son. He said, kind of it is, yeah, because, you know, you're treating these white guys this way. And he was, you know, he, they, my family in love confronted me and said, Dad, you know, he's a great guy. And uh, 
It turns out Donovan has been a huge blessing in my life. He's an awesome young man, smart and strong and loyal. And so, uh, you know, don't say things you don't mean. Don't say things like, you know what, as long as my son-in-law is godly, it don't matter to me. Because you might face a test. And that, for me, the test of having a, you know, I have a Latin guy in my family. Where's he at? You got a Latin guy? I'm going to have grandkids that look just like America. I'm going to have grandkids that look like everybody. And, uh, and I have learned a lot, even from just, um, you know, uh, interacting with Donovan and helping him as a young man succeed. I've learned, you know, that um, prejudice is a real thing in America today. I wish it weren't, but it, it is, when it comes to work and things like that, it, there, there really is. It, it's not really an uh, even playing ground if you're, you know, happen to be a black young man. And because there's a lot of stigma associated with it and, and a lot of difficulty. But, but, you know, at the end of the day, how many believe that love conquers everything? We have the answer. It's not, look, we have, it's not just us being good people. We have the love of Jesus inside of us that sees everybody the same. And I am so thankful that I have a family that's full of all different cultures and all different. And I mean, at Christmas time, people really, really are the same, regardless of the color of their skin. They all have the same need, the same heart. And I, I, wanted, I felt like in this month, I felt like it was right for us to talk about family. I'm going to talk about family matters for the next few weeks. Uh, because family matters. Remember Urkel? Family matters. What did he always say? Did I do that? I can't do it because even when I say it, it makes me mad. When I say, did I do that? I can't stand to hear myself say it. But when he said it, it was really aggravating. <laughs> so family matters. That's not Urkel. I thought it was Urkel. But uh, I want to talk about family matters. And when we talk about family, th- you think about the way God designed every nation. He designed every nation, of course. A nation is built on these smaller groups that we call states. And then every state is built of these smaller groups called cities. But every city is made of these smaller groups called families. And every family is made up of a, of a couple, a man and a woman. And every couple is made up of love. So in God's idea, when he designed a world, he designed a world to be held together by love. And we like the idea because most of us, no matter what we believe about God or anything else, most of us, the, we, we respect the idea of love and being in love and the power of love. I mean, even the secular world celebrates love. It's still like when you say, what's the most important thing in life? Most people tell you, well, love's the most important thing, not money, not, you know, things, but love's the most. People will tell you that because in us, we're all made in God's image, and we kind of know that. But we are, maybe we don't think about it, but our entire world is built on a simple idea that a man and woman can fall in love and produce a loving family and we become loving cities and loving nations. It's so God boils family down to a relationship between a man and a woman. And I know there's lots of different kinds of families, but I'm going to deal with like what's traditional so that we can kind of get an idea. The love between a man and a woman. So I'm going to talk a little bit today about the foundation of the family is love between a man and a woman. Right? The foundation of the family is the, is the mom and dad. And the foundation of that relationship is the love that they have with each other. And see, if you don't understand what love is, you've got a flimsy foundation for your life. If your whole foundation is based on love that, you know what, what does the world tell us love is? It's a feeling, right? Right? You remember the Righteous Brothers? You've lost that love and feeling. you got to finish it. Come on. You lost that love. What? Now it's. Okay. It's sad, right? Because, because here's something that you build your house on and that it can just be one day, boom, gone. You fell out of it. You were in it. You fell in it. I love the way to describe it. Hollywood says you just fall in it. I don't know what happens. You just fall in it. You just fall in love. I don't know. I think I'm falling in love. I'm falling for her. Uh, and then they fall out of love. I don't know. I just lost that love and feeling, you know. Don't you love, what was that other band that said, hello, I love you, won't you tell me your name? <laughs> Some people leave in love at first sight. I mean, Hollywood's all confused about love. They believe in it, but they don't even know what the heck it is. They're trying to act like experts, but they, every song has a different message. Like, you know, you just got to fall. They don't know. They're just making stuff up. 
And here's the whole world listening to songs like, When a man loves a she can do no wrong. He will turn his back on his best friend if he put her down. It, it preaches, doesn't it? If she's bad, he can't see it. And so it's, you know, we all are all about love, you know. All of everybody wants to be in love. And if you don't know what love is, if you think it's a feeling, how many of you know that your feelings change pretty doggone quick, don't they? I mean, your feelings. You can feel good one minute, the next minute you're like, I feel terrible. You can feel happy one minute, and the next day you wake up, I don't know what's wrong with me, I'm just feeling sad today. If you built your marriage on such a thing, if you built your life on such a thing, how would it last? If love is a feeling that you fall into, that you just stumble upon, and then suddenly, I don't know, I just don't love her anymore. I even heard a pastor one time, I was, we had a mutual couple, you know, they were kind of, one was from his church, one was from my church, and they were going through a divorce. And, you know, he was saying he just didn't love her anymore. And I went and talked to the pastor. I said, Pastor, what's up? He said, well, look, what can you do? He doesn't love her anymore. I'm like, Pastor, do you not know what, have you been in the ministry all day? You don't even know what love is? You don't fall out of love. You can't fall out of love. There's, oh, this is a Hollywood concept that's how they break up with each other and, and end up with blood everywhere and broken children and broken lives because you think love is something you can fall out of? You have to choose to love or choose not to love. So I want you to know because, you know, that's what preachers do. I want you to think clear because your life, young people, your life, mom and dad, your family, all your success in this life will be about understanding the most important word in life, and that's love. L-O-V-E. And what does it mean? So we're going to talk about that a little bit today. I love this. John 15, 13. It says this. Greater love has no one than this than to lay down one's life for his friends. This is not a feeling. Laying down your life is a decision that you make. A choice that you make. The greatest kind of love is the love that gives up something, not that gets something. Love, family, the, 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 the nature of your home, the nature of your uh, interaction, the, what breakfast is like and what getting up is like, all that has to do with the atmosphere of love. That's not a mistake. It's something that's chosen. It's something that's decided upon. It's something that's created. I was telling some leaders this weekend, some of my leaders that we were together, and I was telling them that children... They don't have a great family because they have the same last name. By the time they're nine or eight or seven, they start getting angry and bitter with one another. And I'm like, he took my stuff. And pretty soon, they're just at each other's throats. And if they don't understand that what love is, they'll end up drifting. As soon as they get out of high school, they won't even talk to each other anymore. They'll see each other at Thanksgiving. Love is something that has to be cultured and nurtured and protected and watched over it's a series of right decisions that you have to make and if people don't make them then our families and our little hearts are at jeopardy because it's only love that protects us i love this let's read this first corinthians 13 verse 4 i want us to define love here but i want you to listen to what the bible says first corinthians 13 verse 4 through 8 love this is the passion bible Love is large and incredibly patient. Love is gentle and consistently kind to all. It refuses to be jealous when blessing comes to someone else. Love does not brag about one's achievements or inflate its own importance. Love does not traffic in shame and disrespect, nor selfishly seek its own honor. Love is not easily irritated or quick to take offense. Love joyfully celebrates honesty and finds no delight in what is wrong. Love is a safe place of shelter, for it never stops believing the best for others. Love never takes failure as defeat, for it never gives up. Love never stops loving. Isn't that awesome? 
Now, look, I want to just introduce you to a great love story on the front row here. You guys come up here. They weren't ready for this, but we're going to go. I want to show you. This is a great love story. This is all spontaneous. Nothing is planned. All right. Come on up. So I know your back's hurting a little bit, right? No, I'm good. You're good. Oh, okay. No problem. So tell me, just spontaneously, this is not a spiritual answer. Don't give me a scripture. How did you know that she was the right one? <laughs> um, How did I know? <laughs> it was kind of like the love and first sight deal. When I saw her, it was like, hello, I love you. Won't you tell me your name? Exactly. I was only 13 years old, though. Wow. <laughs> wow. So how did you know it was love? Um, I knew it was love because I didn't want to spend like another moment without talking to him or thinking about him. My answer was better. I was, I was 15. No, it was 14, 14. So, so now, that you probably don't really want. Yeah. Yeah. You want to. So, so let me tell you, let me ask you this. Are you guys still in love? And if so, how did you stay in love? I mean, do you still have the same exact feelings you started with, or, or what, what's that been like? I can take the mic on this one. No. I love her now more than I ever did in my whole life. I fall in love with her every single day. She is the most beautiful, the most wonderful thing that's ever happened to me, and uh, I don't know where I would be in life without her. Sorry, what was the question? How, how, are you still in love? <laughs> yes, I, I, I am still in love. I, and I, how did that work? How do you stay in love? Well, because we work on it. We, we constantly talk to each other. We have a set date night. Friday night is our date night. And even when we were broke as a joke, and we had this... Um, Paul had this little truck, little hoopty truck that barely ran, and we had a nephew, because we have lots of children, so we had three kids, three young boys, and um, some of the Sibley girls tried to babysit them before, you know how difficult it might have been, and we had this truck, and I remember we, Paul said our nephew wanted to, needed a truck, so we said, hey, let's work a deal, we'll give you the truck, you babysit for us when we need it. So we had this little list on the refrigerator. I think it was $1,000 or something for the truck. And he would babysit and subtract the amount, and he would get down. So we had a, we had a babysitter for, what, about three, four years, maybe three years, a babysitter <laughs> every weekend. But, I mean, you know, we didn't have a lot of money, but we made it work because we knew that it was important to spend time together. All right, let's give our first contestant a big hand. All right, Manny and Miguel, you just fell in love, so we need to find out what happened. Come on now, yeah, yeah, come up here, yes. I'm going to pop the questions on y'all. So, I mean, inquiring minds want to know. So, Maddie, how did you know he was the right one? Oh, my gosh. Okay. Take the mic. Okay. <laughs> um, so... When me and Miguel first, he had a crush on me when we were like 13. I'll say that. I wasn't interested, though. All right. I wasn't about it, but he was. He didn't speak English either. Um, that was, might have been a part of not my interest because I was like, we can't even talk. So just, you know, talk to me later. So then we started talking. The first thing I did was like, I'm, I feel like I'm giving a youth pastor answer. I did communicate to my parents first. So we go on. I'm like, okay, I like him. Like, I'm reading my Bible more. I'm doing better spiritually. Well, then he came over to Louisiana, which was a huge test because he is not a country boy, right? So <laughs> we were tested a little bit during that time to where I was like, I ain't so sure. And we we're about to get ready to just send him back to Columbia, you know? <laughs> I talked to my dad one night. I was like, Dad, I don't know. This ain't happening. I don't. This this doesn't feel right. So of course my dad's like, Heck yeah, let's send him back. Let's get him a ticket. He's out of here. 
So I'm like, all right, great. Let's like, let's get him out. So then the next morning, I'm still like, he's done. He's out of here. He's gone. Well, my dad, he woke up. He said he had a dream that Miguel needed to stay. It was really weird. And Becca. And you know, if y'all know both of these people, they aren't fighting to keep a guy in my life. <laughs> They're okay with me being single for a while. So when they said they had a dream, I was like, okay, this must be something serious. So then a few days later, my dad had us doing yard work together. And the love happened during that time. We were, he put us on a project where we had to build up a bush. Do y'all know how it is to dig up a bush? Move azalea, trees. Move azalea trees from one side of the yard to another. It was the weirdest task, but I promise that was uh, what, hap what did it for me because yeah. I don't know why. <laughs> I don't know how that happened. I think for me, sorry, my voice is terrible, but um, I, I think for me, so we went bow fishing. And I was really, you know, that time I was really aggravating and just aggravated about everything and complaining. So we talked and we said, you know what, this is not going to work. I'm going to go to Colombia. I'm going to tell my parents and nice, like, nice to meet you. Bye. It was literally like that. And I was all like prideful and like cocky and whatever. And then I, I'm driving um, home. It was actually somebody's house. I don't know if they're here. Um, so I'm in the parking lot, and it was like at those like level parking lots, <clears throat> and I was by myself, and I park, and then I'm like, okay, it's hurting right now, and then I started crying so bad, I was crying really bad, and then I was like, wait, I think I love her, I re I have something, some feelings for her, so then um, I was like, I'm being too much dramatic, and then I came back, and it was. Three days of just mad ignoring me and just dying completely to the relationship. But <clears throat> I love Maddie with all my heart. And it was the first time I saw her was in Colombia. And I was super, like, nervous. And it was in the airport. And I saw her. And I was like, oh, my gosh, she's beautiful. It's just we don't have that in Colombia. Uh, <laughs> so, and I was... Last thing, I was so proud to walk like in the conference or the mall with her. Everybody was like, oh my gosh, what is that? That's, another, that's that from another planet or something. So um, yeah, that's our love story. We're still in the process. Might have went too long with our story. No, no, you did great. All right, you guys can go sit, but you did a great job. Thank you. And Miguel, is, he is an awesome, awesome guy. Uh, is Connor here? Con Connor? Come here, Connor. Come here, Connor. Connor was like on his phone. He was like playing a game like, hey, what? <laughs> Don't play games on the phone. I got you. Don't, you, can, you, you think I can't see? <laughs> Connor, I'm not going to ask you about love, but I'm going to ask you, how does it, this is the son of Paul and Jen. So, do you, do you feel like your mom and dad are in love? Uh, yeah, for sure. Um, <laughs> even, like, it's sometimes disgusting, but, like, like, like in, the, in the kitchen, mom will be, like, making her coffee, and dad will just come up behind her, like, dancing or something. <laughs> and it's just... <laughs> her tea, her hot tea, sorry. And then, but no, like, even through, like... Uh, <laughs> No, but uh, <laughs> if anybody uh, if anybody really knows our family, y'all know that we've been through some some hard times, and like even through all that, their love has never and their love towards us has never gone down or gone down. Nothing has ever gone downhill. We've all stuck together as a family through everything. Well, let me yeah. Well, let me ask you. So, how as a as a you've been growing up and you've been watching? That was a little too much information about the kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> Let, let's not mention any more about that. <laughs> but, but generally speaking, you've been watching them be in love. How does that make you feel when your parents are? How did it make you feel when you saw that your parents were in love? How did that make you feel as a person? Um, well, oh, that's a tough one. Um, I mean, did it make you feel good, bad, sad? I mean, yeah, because, like, especially, like, nowadays, like, 
half of my friends, their parents are divorced and they never see their dad or they never see their mom. And just to have two parents in a house, it's uh, especially if one of them tells me no, I just go ask the other one. But <laughs> uh, yeah, it's uh, it's something that not not a lot of kids really get to experience nowadays. So yeah, I'm very glad that my parents love each other. Yes. Yes. Where's Bray and Amber at? We just had to go one more. Come on, Amber. Come up here, Amber. And bring the baby with you. Bring oh, he's asleep. Huh? Oh, no, let him, you just come on out. Where's Bray at? Here you go. All right. These guys just got married. So, Bray, I got to ask you first, and Amber can tell. I ask you, you, Bray uh, wasn't all that. I was in Baton Rouge starting a church over there, and uh, suddenly Bray just wanted to be with me all the time. And I thought it was like a father-son thing, and then I realized he liked someone. And so how did that go? When you saw her, how did you know that that was it for you? Um, I was actually playing drums, and then she wasn't her first week here, but it was like the third time or something like that. And, uh, and I saw her down front worshiping, and I was like, it was weird. It's a weird feeling. Because I already told God, like, look, if you don't want me to get married, I'll just be single for the rest of my life. Like, you know, I just want the right person, and if there is no right person, I'll just be single and serve you. So that was a real conversation I had with God, and, uh, and then all of a sudden, as soon as I saw her, I was like, I got to have her. I'm going to die if I, don't, uh, if I don't pursue this. So um, I did not. She went to Disney World, like, the next week or whatever, and so I was, like, frantically on Facebook trying to find her because the next week I was like I will get the courage to go talk to her next week and then it was like five weeks after and she hadn't been so I'm frantically l trying to find her ended up finding you know that she's best friends with Casey and uh but I didn't I didn't did I add you yeah. uh oh yeah she did have a boyfriend at the time <laughs> I saw pictures on I saw pictures on her Facebook and I was like it's probably just her cousin <laughs> I was like, I'm not going to look into it. I'll just, I added her. She's there. You know, I'll wait to see her in person. I don't want to strike up a conversation on the internet like a psycho weirdo. Um, and then, uh, as, you know, then I, I was taking pictures for the church. And then she showed up. And Casey actually was doing nursery. So she had an empty seat next to her. And I was like, third row, right in the center. That's the perfect place to take pictures. And so I walked up. I sat there and my heart was racing and I, uh, I was like, take a picture, it's time for me to go play. I was like, hey, um, hey, could you uh, hold, hold this for me? I'll come get it from you after. I was pretty, pretty smooth. But I was not smooth from that moment on. I was like the least smooth person. Everybody's like, you like that girl, she has a boyfriend. And I was like, I don't like her. <laughs> no, I do not. And, but I was like, hopelessly trying to make it happen. I got rejected for probably six months every single day. Um, I was really trying to make it happen. But, uh, and I was like, well, if it's not her, then it's nobody. So I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm going all's fair in love and war. Didn't, uh, did end up stealing her uh, from her boyfriend. So is that the, is that the answer? <laughs> Well, I did have a boyfriend, so it is a, a whole thing for another day. But um, so I was sitting over there. I will say I was interested. I got little butterflies when he sat next to me, which is weird because, you know, I didn't really have butterflies for that. But um, I was like, I have a boyfriend. Like, I can't just, like, break up with him, with this guy I don't even know. And it was months of him, you know, me, like, being flirty, but, like, being like, no, nah, I got a boyfriend. Sorry. But, um Anyway, after months, and of course I did like him, I just, you know, I didn't really want to have to go through the whole breakup process. <laughs> but then one day I was like, okay, I just got to do it because I know he's the one. And I think for me, we were at the park. I remember that. He was just being real sweet and just complimenting me and stuff. And then I just kind of realized, like, I'm a pretty confident person, and I had had relationships, you know, before him. And it was always like, you know, I'm not trying to be whatever, but I was like, I'm kind of better than you, so I don't need to change anything you do. 
But with Bray, he just, he made me want to be a better person. And I think that's when I knew, like, okay, I'm never going to be better for anyone except him. And that's, I think that's it. <laughs> you guys are good job. Hey, you, the, the greatest picture is, you know, because she had a, a boyfriend and Bray was the youth pastor. So he had to, she was coming over here to Southeast, so he had to get her phone number. He had to get her phone number because she was, you know, he's a youth pastor. He wanted to make sure she was okay. <laughs> the best picture is Bray goes to the, to the zoo. I got a, 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 Bray is with her and the boyfriend walking through the zoo together. <laughs> That's what love will make you do right there. Walk through the zoo like, it's, you know, it's no big deal. I just want to be at the zoo with y'all. There are, there are three, I've got, I got to hurry now. That was all fun. But I want, you know, on most of us, we quickly connect because all of us either have that or we want that. I've been in love, for, I've been married for 42 years. I'm more in love now. And mostly than I was when I started, mostly it's because of what I'm going to tell you right now. If you heard me do a wedding, then you'll know these are the things, these, this is a small teaching that it will change your life, save your life, improve your life. But I want to just start by saying in the Greek language, there are three words for love, not just one. The first one is phileo, like the city of Philadelphia means the city of brotherly love, right? Phileo is brotherly love, meaning like your friends, your buddies, your brother, you know, like guys you know in high school. That's phileo. That means friendship. Everybody knows what it's like to hang out with their friends, right? And a great romance is built on a great friendship, right? And then the other word is eros. Uh, the second word is eros, which is where we get, um, you know, romance from. It, this is a Greek word that just means that feeling that most people associate with love is that feeling that they were talking about. I can't, I can't be without her. I, I got to be around her. That's, that's her. That feeling is eros. These feelings, uh, they rise up in us when we're attracted to someone physically and, when, and emotionally, and we're attracted to them. And so we associate that with love because it's a, it's a warm you know, feeling, and it just makes us feel like we don't have to sleep at night and can't get off the phone. And some people associate like that's what love is when you're in that like I can't think straight. And then there's the, the, the most important word in the Greek language for love is agape. Agape is the God kind of love. It means God's love. God's agape love is, is an unconditional love that says I love you no matter what. I can never fall into it. How many of you love your children no matter what? I, I love. So what if they do wrong? You, do you stop loving them if they do wrong? You almost love them more, right? You don't want to admit it, but like I almost love them more when they're doing wrong because I'm worried about them all the time. I'm concerned. My love awakens when, they, when they're not doing good. My, I, I become so aware of my love when they're, not, when they're in danger because or, I'm concerned about them. My love, I, I'm very aware of it. It is a love that doesn't say I love you if you're young and pretty or I love you if you're no trouble or I love you because you do these things and make me feel this way. It's just a love that says, I love you. And most parents understand if you have children, you didn't fall in love with them and you're never going to fall out of love with them. Wave at me if it's true. You didn't fall. You didn't just one day stumble into this love. You decided the day they were born, I can't get my eyes off of them. It's more than a friendship. It's not a romance, but it has to do, it's a deep love that said, I would die for you. Right? And a mother goes right to the edge of death when she's birthing a child and she pulls, the baby comes out. You think, I can't love anything more than this because I just almost died. <laughs> right? And, I, and, I, and, and, be, and, and God designed all of that. And I saw my little, when I see my little grandbaby, I think I, I would do anything for this child because this is, love is not some romantic feeling. Love has to do with something bigger. And if you're going to build your life on something, you can't build it on a romance. How many of you had romances that didn't work out? Just wave at me. How many of you wish you had romances? That, no. <laughs> I never had a romance. But, you know, how many of you have people that used to be your friends that are not your friends anymore? They were your closest friends. You loved hanging out, and you used to do things with them all the time, and you just loved, you know, called them, talked to them, did stuff, and then now you don't hang up with them at all. Maybe you, you just broke up or stopped being friends or got mad. So even friendship love, as strong as friendships are, they don't last. We know that. But the love of God is much different. It never changes. And like the first Corinthians I, I read, the King James says, love never fails. 
And if you looked at 1 Corinthians, the definition that the Bible gives us of, of love, you'll find out that all of that, it's patient, it's kind, it chooses the best, it does the best, it always believes, always hopes. None of that is feelings. It's all choices. Love is a decision. Say it with me. Say, God's love is a decision. See, the closest we can get to love is it's a choice that we make, a decision that we make. And when people say, well, how are you and Pastor Diane still in love? And we really are. I can't wait to be with her. If I'm away from her a little while, I just can't wait. Every, I ache all over, inside and out, if I'm not around my wife. Because, and I'm emotional about it. We had a leadership uh, retreat this past weekend, and we started talking about each other. And uh, everybody's crying. Because it, love has some wonderful feelings with it. And when relationships are right, yeah, you do get emotional. You get even like, even somebody like Michael Lester. I bet you, I bet you if you started, if he started talking about how he loves his kids, I bet you he's going to be crying. Why? Because all of us, even the toughest guy in this room, we got a little tender spot in us that we reserve for the people that we love. And that, that, those are the people that we'll do anything for. And it, it's important for us to anchor our marriage and our home in God's kind of love, not friendships, not just friendships or romance, because those things are going to change from time to time. But God's love always remains. It is the foundation that you can build your life on. Let me, let me finish by giving you these four undeniable truths about love. Number one, love is a choice, not a feeling. Write it down. Love is a choice, not a feeling. Recently, I had a lady come in and say, I don't love my husband anymore. And I looked at her and said, well, you know what? That's because you don't know what love is. You don't know what love is because love doesn't behave this way. Love doesn't write people off. Love doesn't give up on people. You might not have romantic feeling for your husbands, and there might be some good reasons for that. But you don't have to stop loving somebody. You can always love people because love is a decision. God's love in you chooses the best for other people. Love is not selfish and seeking its own way. John 12, 15, 12 said, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I loved you. Let me ask you a question. Can you command someone to feel? Jesus said, my, I'm commanding you to love one another. You can't command someone to feel. Have you ever tried that when you were dating a girl? Like, I command you to love me. That doesn't work. Don't, not, all you young people, don't give it a shot. Don't see a girl that you like and say, I command you, in Jesus' name, love me. It's just not going to work. Because you can't force people to have feelings. But you can make, Jesus said, I command you to choose. You can only command people to choose. So we all, right off the bat, Jesus says, commandment. So this is something you're going to choose. You're going to choose to love. Choose. There's never going to be a time I don't love my children. I can tell you, no matter what, I'm going to love them every day. Same thing with my wife. I'm going to love them every day of my life till I die. And nothing can change it. I can't control their behavior. But I can tell you what, I've already made my decision. That's never going to change. To the day I die, I'm going to love them. And that's the, way, that's the foundation that we build these lives on. Number two. Right love choices produce right love feelings. Right love choices produce right love feelings. Right love choices produce right love feelings. If you want the feelings of love, they're like dessert. You can't have dessert all the time. You want those feelings, you got to make the right choice. You make the right choice, you get the right feelings. You got to make the right choice. You have to choose. You have to choose what? To forgive. You have to choose to minimize offenses and maximize what you believe about them. If you start maximizing the offenses and minimizing forgiveness, you will not have the reward of feelings. You're not going to even feel like you love your own children. One of the saddest things as a pastor I experience is going to a funeral when nobody in the whole funeral loves God at all. There's nobody even crying. You might have two people crying, but the rest of them are like. Because the, over the years, their hearts have become cold because they made the wrong choice. They got angry, they got critical, they got mad, and they didn't choose the right thing. And because they didn't, all of the feelings that make life worth living died. That not because they don't know how to love, but because they did not choose 
Choose to forgive. Choose to restore. Choose to make it right. Choose to let it go. Love is a choice. The cross, like I was seeing, but the blood of Jesus, the cross wasn't the feeling. The cross, the greater love has no man than this, than the lady of his life. It's a choice. It was something he said, I love them. What does it say? John 3:16. For God so loved that he gave. He chose. And when we make choices, we get the reward of great feelings. I won't go into Ephesians, read it later. Ephesians 5.22, it says, wives, submit to your husbands. Then it says, husband, love your wives. It means love for a woman is, see, a woman never falls out of love. She falls out of respect. When a woman doesn't choose to respect her husband, she will not feel attracted to him. All the eros will be gone. She'll feel pressured. She'll feel cornered. Why? Because she's not choosing. Respect is a choice. Well, my husband makes mistakes, and my husband, blah, blah, blah. Listen, if you become critical of your husband, you, about, you just got a, you know, a knife and started killing your feelings of love. You got to say, of all the men in the world, I choose him. He might not be the best, but he's the best for me. And it changes a man. That's how a man receives love. A man doesn't receive love, ooey gooey, here's some candy. A man receives love by being respected and say, I respect you. I respect you. And that's how a man feels like a man. When she, because you're going to desire what you respect. When you stop respect, you can fall out of respect, but you can't fall out of love. But you won't have the feelings of love unless you say, you know what? I'm going to choose not to be disrespectful. I'm going to thank God for the man he gave me. Now, I'm not, I know that all men are not good. But the one that you have that brought you to church, chances are he's a pretty good dude. And, but, but you have to cultivate love by, even when he's not a respectful guy, you got to still respect him. And that will change him. And a man has to choose to love his wife like Christ loved the church and give himself. A man has to sacrifice. That's how a man shows love. He gives up his life. He says, I'm not going hunting this weekend. I'm taking you to the movie. And all the women said, Amen. <laughs> But a man, a man has to choose to say, I don't live for myself. This check doesn't belong to me. This check belongs for you and the kids. This is how a man loves. A man says, I'm giving up my life for you. I'm giving up my choices. I'm laying down my life for you. A man doesn't feel his way into anything. A man chooses him, his way into staying in love. You don't stay in love by getting stuff out of your wife. You stay in love by giving your life for your wife. You make a decision. And then, like me, 42 years later, you're hopelessly, helplessly in love. And it's not because she did anything or didn't do something. It's because I've, what a pleasure to have given my life away for my children and for my wife. It's a beautiful song, but you have to stay in tune. You have to make the correction so that this becomes something beautiful that the whole world can see. They can see Jesus, that your family is not like another family because there's some agape in the center of your family that we never give up. We always forgive. We always believe the best. We always make the choice. We always restore. And so when they come to your house at Christmas, they're going to say, what is this? When they come to your house at Thanksgiving, everybody's hugging and singing. And everybody's loving one another. They're going to think, this is the glory of God. And it is. Right choices bring right feelings. You want love in your life? Start making the right. Don't leave your husband. You want to feel love in your life? Don't leave your wife. Start laying down your life. Start making choices. Tell yourself, you know, sometimes you just have to use your words. You have to say, you know what? I love you. I love you, I love you, I love you. Start every sentence with I love you. Even when you don't feel it, you say I love you. And pretty soon you keep making the right choice and your love is going to come alive. Don't let bitterness kill your love. Don't let bitterness rob you of life. and Make you critical of the person that God gave you. Keep your love alive. Number three, love is not God, God is love. Number three, love is not God, God is love. What do I mean? Well, the Bible says God is love, but here's the world, the world worships love. We worship God. We don't worship love. Don't do the wrong thing and say it's love. Don't leave your wife or your daggum secretary and say it was love. It wasn't love. That's not love. God is love. 
God chooses the best for other people. God doesn't hurt people. God doesn't roll over people. God is not unfaithful to people. God is not telling you to do the wrong thing because you love so much. Love does the right thing for other people. Love is not selfish. It's just how God is. He's wonderful. He is love. If you have God in your house, you have love in your house. It's, a, it's, it's this atmosphere that we don't bow at the altar of love and say, I've got to hurt people. I've got to do these terrible things because I love someone. That, that's never going to happen. When love is at the center of it, it's right. It's going to be right because God is at the center of it. And let me finish with this. Do you guys believe what I'm saying? I hope you do because I preach this sermon to myself my whole life. And my life is surrounded by love because of these choices. It's a simple message. But I preach it every day of my life for my children and my wife and those that are in my life that I really love. Number four, love is giving your life. I mentioned it, but I write it down. Number four, love is giving your life. I'm going I'm to say it. I quoted it. Now I'm going to say it. John 3:16. for God so loved the world. He loved us so much that he gave his only son that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. This is what love looks like to say, look, I'll give you my life. So before we leave today, I want to ask you, if, do you want God in that marriage? I told the team this week and I said, the word enthusiasm means God is in it. You will have an enthusiastic marriage. You want an enthusiastic family. You got to put God in it. You just can't hold it together. And you need to stop being the center of your life. You need to give your life. That's why you come to church, because it's an opportunity to give your life as an offering. Say, I'm giving my life to God so that God can be in my life. I'm going to give my life away. It's not holding on to your life. Jesus said, if you try to hold on to your life, you're going to lose it. But if you give it away from me, you're going to get to keep it. You're just going to invite today everybody in the room, every mom, dad, young person, don't do it your way, do it God's way, and love is going to be the glue that holds it all together. Love is going to be the joy, love is going to be the health, love is going to be the healing, love is going to be the glory of your home. Why? Because look, I love what Joshua said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We don't serve religion. We don't serve the rules. We serve love, God's love in our life. And it, our life becomes a fountain. It's almost too good to be true. But it begins by you saying, Lord, I just, I, I for one, I want you to lead my life. I'm going to lay down my life. I'm going to love you with my life by saying, I am not my own. I belong to you. Love begins with what Jesus did, but it multiplies with what we do. We connect with God, not because of religion, not we're scared that we're going to hell. We connect with God because the Bible says we love him. Because he first loved us. We give our life to him because he first gave his life for us. We respond to his love. And he, he says, I'm giving you my life. And we say, well, I give you my life right back. This is the great love story called Christ in the church. Well, we don't have to be logical. We don't have to be intellectual. We just feel it. And we say, I don't know. I'm just giving my life to God. And from that, on, that day on, God invades and permeates and saturates every corner of our life. And this is love. The Bible says this is love. Not that we love him, but that he loved us and gave himself for us. So before we leave today, I want to give you the opportunity. A young person, a dad, a family, a mom, a single mom. I want to give you the opportunity to say, you know what? I'm going to give my life. To God's love and I'm going to invite him to come invade my whole life come on right where you're sitting with your head bowed and your eyes closed today today if you're saying I want the love of God in my life you got to make a choice you got to stop running this thing and you got to just humbly just say look I, I don't know how to do it I don't know how to change it I don't know how to fix it but I do know how to say yes I surrender I love you I see what you did on the cross for me you paid for my sin and you opened the door. And I just want to say, I want to give my life for you. That's how simple it is. So simple, most people miss it. 
But all you have to do today is say yes to God's love and say, look, from now on, I give you everything. I belong to you. And when you do that, a miracle begins to take place in your life. And love begins to saturate every corner of your being and of your home. All across the room, if you're saying, Jesus, I want to surrender my life to you. I make a decision. You gave your life for me on the cross. You rose from the dead. And now I want to give my life to you. I want to say I love you with my whole life. If that's you, if you're saying, Pastor Bray, I want to get right with God. I want my whole life to be saturated with God's love. I want to make a choice. I want to make a decision to serve God. All across the room. All across the room. Just pray it from your heart with me. It's just a simple decision, a simple prayer. Just say it out loud. You don't say it super loud, but mean it from your heart. Say, Lord Jesus, I'm sorry for doing things my own way. I'm sorry for my selfishness. I'm sorry for my dumb mistakes. I'm sorry for my careless sin. I'm sorry for leaving you out. I believe, pray with me, say, I believe what you did on the cross was your love for me. I believe you paid for all of my sin. Come on, pray it with me. I receive forgiveness. Wash me clean. Let all my sins be removed and washed and forgiven. I receive, all across the room said, I receive Jesus Christ as the Lord of my life. From this moment on, everything I have is yours. All of me and everything that you have is mine. I receive it. Come on, all across the room, say, I receive your love. I receive your life. I receive your peace. I receive your joy. Out loud, say, I receive Jesus Christ as the Lord of my life. I receive the Holy Spirit. Come into my life. Remove everything that doesn't please you. Be glorified through my life. Let the miracle begin right here and right now, today in Jesus' name.